Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. Didn't the uh, youth band do an awesome job? Well, I'm Doug Dorman. Uh, Tim sent me a text a few weeks ago and uh, said it was going to be Youth Sunday and would I be willing to preach? And I realized he looked around the sea of humanity and tried to pick the youngest looking, uh, most youthful person he could choose. And and then it dawned on me, wait a minute, the youth pastor's name is Doug. He sent the wrong text. And, uh, but then he had to save face, so I'm here. Um, so it's good to be with you, um, and I'm excited to be here. Let's pray to, together this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence. ask you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever asked a question like this? God, what is your will for my life? Or perhaps you've asked... Uh, you know, God, why am I on this planet? Anybody ever ask a question similar to that? Both of you, thank you. And, and the, um, you know, I've asked that question a lot, but I've got a better question. Actually, a couple of better questions for you. Here they are. God, what is your will, and how do I join you in what you are doing? Do you see the difference? God, what is your will for my life is focused where? Self-centered. God, what is your will, and how do I join you in what you are doing? God-centered. And I encourage you this morning, as we look at how to hear God's voice, is how to live a life that is God-centered in hearing His voice and obeying Him. We, um, you know, hearing from God is, is, can be very subjective. It's more like art than science. And in fact, the, um, we had a babysitter in Savannah, Georgia, when our kids, we had four of the kids at the time, uh, Ian, Karis, and Lottie had not yet been born, but we had this lady, uh, former, I think, German background named Cordeline, and uh, she was uh, babysitting at the house, and this was back for those, uh, the younger generation, you won't get this, but there used to be things called telephones that plugged into a wall, and, and, and they, uh, I know, it's crazy, it's crazy. And they had these uh, abilities to, uh, you could uh, kind of set speakers up and be in one room and talk to the other through this intercom system. So Coeur at around 3 o'clock said, I'm going to watch my soap operas, which was off. Uh, that wasn't part of our kids' normal routine, so she would tell them to go find something to do. So being obedient, John Michael, who was about 8 or 9 years old, age at the time, got the telephone, went to a closet, and put on the intercom, and as she sits down to watch her show, he says, Coeur d'Alene, this is God. <laughs> you know, hearing from God could, could be kind of different. And the, uh, my dad swore this story was true. Now, whether he, he said a lot of things were true that I question now. But uh, what the, one of them is he said there was this guy in Conway, drunk in Conway, town drunk, and he would always take the path through the cemetery to the bar that he'd go to, and then he'd cut back through going home. 
and some teenagers, I guess it was Youth Sunday or something, decided they wanted to help this guy out. So they went and hung out in the cemetery, climbed up in an oak tree, waited till he passed by, and they said, called his name and said, this is God, you're called to preach my gospel. And he quit drinking and became a pastor. You know, so God does speak through. <laughs> he claimed it was true. I can't, can't verify or deny. Well, let's look at what Scripture has to say about hearing from God. And in Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at the life of Moses as a template for us in hearing God's voice. Beginning in verse 1 of Genesis, uh, Exodus chapter 3, it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, the Mosquitoites. Oh, no. <laughs> and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Uh, this diagram is a, a picture that I drew in my journal recently to try to, to capture this concept of how to hear from God in a way that you could remember. I have two sisters who are professional level artists. Uh, as you can see, I too possess a, a, a hidden talent of art. It, it, granted, it's very hidden, but, but it's there. It's there. It's, it's imaginative art. And in fact, I, I want to read something to you. You know, the greatest form of a compliment is, is imitation, right? Well, here's, we did this in India recently, and I got this uh, text a couple of days ago from our national leader there. He says, some really good reports are coming in just uh, waiting for the facts and figures to verify. You will be amazed, as I am. I don't know what he means by that what people are doing with the training material and the charts. You know, I don't know anybody who's copying my sister's art. Just, you know. 
but they copy what I draw. And you're going to get a chance to do that this morning as well. Those boxes on your outline aren't mistakes. That's for you to do some artwork. So <clears throat> the first service did great work. I mean, almost it's, it's museum quality. So we'll, we'll see, see where you line up with their, their ability. So the first fill-in is a box for you, and you're to draw a stop sign. So I encourage you now, draw a little stop sign. Now, now, Riney is a true artist. Riney, don't get stuck on the first image and spend the next 30 minutes drawing the stop sign. You've got five other images you've got to sketch out. So the first step in hearing from God is stop. Stop what you're doing and listen to God. Ask him, God, what are you up to? What's going on? What are you saying to me? How are you leading me? It's taking time to reflect and pause and stop. I was planting a church years ago in, in uh, North Carolina, and we really hit, hit this wall where we just didn't know what to do or where to go. And I took three days and went on a personal retreat to a lake house. And while I was there, I fasted for three days and just prayed and sought God. And he revealed some things in my life, and he revealed some direction to us for small groups and the approach to small groups that have shaped, that shaped the next 30 years of ministry for me. And it was stopping and pausing and waiting and listening and taking time to reflect. That's really important if you want to hear from God. So the first box there is that. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, it says that Moses is going along. He's taking the sheep and he stops at Horeb, the mountain of God. A little background story on Moses. Moses was a, was a Jew born in Egypt during a time of slavery and oppression where the command from the Pharaoh was if any male children are born, they're to be thrown into the river. The mother of Moses put him in a basket, placed him in the reeds in the river, hoping that someone would discover him. And someone did discover him, the daughter of Pharaoh. And she took Moses to be her own son. The word Moses actually means to draw forth or to draw from water. And that's what she did when she spared his life. And Moses grows up in Egypt, trained as an Egyptian leader. And at 40 years of age, he goes out one day and he sees an Egyptian fighting with one of his fellow Jew, Jews. And he steps in to, to rescue and ends up killing the Egyptian, which results in his leaving Egypt, spending 40 years on the backside of a desert with sheep, and that's where we pick this story up. And the, as we look at his story in Exodus chapter 3, it says he stops at Horeb, the Mount of God, or the Mountain of God. Why is it called that? I have a theory. I believe it was called that because that was a regular stop on his journey. It's called the mountain of God because it's where he would go to pray and spend time with God. Well, that day was a little different because God encounters him in a very powerful, powerful way. And so what I want you to do in this next category is, well, let, let me read the verse here in Psalm 46.10 first. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. If you want to know what God is doing, by the way, God is in the process of rescuing and restoring the world to himself. So if you want to know God's will, get involved in rescuing and restoring other people's lives. That's what God is doing. That's what we need to be involved in. That's his will for your life. Rescue and restore. Get rescued, 
Be restored, rescue and restore others. Now, the second art example for you is draw an eyeball. You know, again, don't take all day, Riney. Just sketch this thing out. You can spend the afternoon drawing this in great detail. But draw an eye. You look and see where God's at work around you. Where's God at work? Hey, you know, recently, um, last year, this time last year, this month last year, I believe, I was getting ready to go to Brazil, as I am this month, this year. And uh, Joel and I will be doing a marriage conference. P- please be praying for us uh, that, as we go into this month. But we were uh, getting ready to go. Had a few days left before the trip. And our son Ian, our youngest son, had applied to one college. He said, I only have one school I want to go to. It was Charleston, College of Charleston. That's where he's going. So he applied there, and that was the only school. I said, great. If you get in, that's good news. And so he, uh, he gets a letter right before our trip from Charleston Southern University. And he said, Dad, come here. And I said, what? And he said, um, I'm not sure I understand this letter. I said, well, okay. So I go to him, and I read the letter. And he said, does it say what I think it says? I said, we better ask Mom. So, so Joan reads it, and she said, Ian, they're offering you a full ride. <coughs> we saw God at work, and we, and we joined him. Look to see where God's at work around you, and join him. Look at where God, he didn't even apply to the school, and, and, and they give him a free ride. So that was pretty cool. We knew that was God. Some things you don't even have to pray about. Well, this is what Moses does. He looks and he sees this burning bush. Now, the thing with a burning bush is it's, scholars say that although this is rare, it's not non-existent where there will be spontaneous combustion in this part of the world where things will catch on fire. What was unusual and the reason Moses turned aside is it was on fire, but it didn't burn up. It wasn't consumed. So he goes over and says, this is strange. And so he goes over and, he, he, and God speaks to him. The John chapter 5 verse 17 says, But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. Here's some things to look for if you want to see God at work around you. As you're looking around, do you have any problems? That's a good indication God's at work. Do you have interests? Is there a need that you've become aware of? Are there opportunities before you? God's at work in all of those. Your question needs to be, Father, where are you at work in this problem, in this interest or desire, in this need, in this opportunity? Is this an invitation for me to join you here? And look to see where God's at work in those things. Jesus replied, my Father's always at work. So God's not absent in his activity. The third art exhibit for you is listen. Now, you don't have to draw the detailed art as this person did, (laughs) but the listen to God's voice. Listen to his word. God speaks primarily through his written scripture, through the word of God. But he doesn't only speak through the word of God, but also he will never contradict the written word of God. So if you think you've heard something from God telling you to leave your husband or leave your wife and have an affair with someone else, I can guarantee you that is not God's will. The, the, there are things that 
we need to look and see and listen to the Word of God and be obedient to the Scripture, that what He has already revealed. But I was reading through a study called Experiencing God several years ago. I think it was in 2009. And I was going through this study, and there was this passage that uh, we dealt, I was reading, and it talked about the Ethiopian eunuch. And I was just reading through the passage. It was part of my daily devotional time, and I'm reading through and I read about in the book of Acts of the Ethiopian eunuch. And as I was reading through, I sensed, don't have any other way of saying it, I didn't hear an audible voice, I didn't, you know, angels didn't come, and I didn't hear choirs singing or any of that, but I just had this thought, stop. So I stopped, looked at what I was reading, and this thought came, read it again. So I read it again, and God says, I'm going to invite you to join me in Ethiopia. And I thought, okay. And then I kept reading. Didn't think much of it. About 20 minutes passed, and my phone rings. And this guy who works in Africa said, Doug, um, I know you went with me last year to the DRC, to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, but we've got a trip coming up this year, and we're going to Ethiopia, and I wondered if you go. Uh, I want you to pray about it and consider this. And I said, I'll go. And he said, um, well, don't you want some time to think? I said, no, no, I'm supposed to go. I, I'm, I'm in. Okay. Went to Ethiopia. Listening to his voice, being obedient to him. Had I not stopped and read that passage that morning and, and spent time there, I'd have gotten that call and I'd say, you know, I don't much like this guy. Uh, you know, I'd had a lot of reasons I wouldn't have wanted to go maybe. But because I had taken the time to listen to God, it redirected my answer. Listen. Obey the word. Have you obeyed the last thing he told you? If you didn't obey the last thing and you're wondering why you're not hearing anything current, that may be the reason. Go back to what he told you before. The fourth area is, how are you doing with your artwork? You got, got some good drawings here. Okay, so the first one was stop, look, and listen. Those were the three words my sister Vanessa used to tell me when we were at the bus stop and we would go to cross the street. Douglas, stop. Look and listen. Did you look both ways? And I said, yes, I looked up and down. And, <laughs> and, and so it's good for hearing God's voice. Stop, look, listen. And then what do we listen to? Well, part of what we listen to is our heart. What's God already put in your heart? What did God put in Moses' heart? Well, what he put in Moses' heart was to deliver the Jews from Egypt. God put that in his heart 40 years earlier. Now, the problem was Moses, 40 years earlier, didn't stop, look, and listen. He acted. He said, here's a problem, here's a need, here's an opportunity, this is an area of interest, and he just went out to do it on his own. Isn't that how we act? We'll see a problem or a need, or a, and we say, I'm going to fix this. Rather than stopping, looking, listening, saying, God, how do I join you in this? Second go-round, Moses joins God in what God's doing rather than trying to rescue himself. And do it on his own. And so, listen to your heart. A friend of mine, John Meadows, was uh, on pastoral staff in Kentucky when I was at Asbury. And he was, um, I was over at his house one day. And John quoted this verse to me. He said, let's, let's look at some scripture. And we went to Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. He said, Doug, what does that mean? I said, well, I guess it means if I'm delighting myself in God, he'll give me what I want. And he said, uh, 
well, what if it means something else? I said, what do you mean? He said, what if it means if I'm delighting myself in God, he will actually place his desires in my heart. He will give me the desires of my heart. I said, oh, that's a little more God-centered, isn't it? And a few years, many years passed. And in 2013, I felt this, uh, I had been doing some international work. And I felt prompted to, to join with a mission agency called Global Training Network. And it was in my heart. So I did what we see in this next sketch, which is I invited some others in. Invite some others and check with them to see what they think. These are trusted others. There are some people you don't need to go to and ask what they think because they're always going to squelch dreams. Uh, but one of the people that I went to was Tim Holt. I've known Tim since I was 14 years of age. And place was important to me. <clears throat> so we went to a Starbucks on 73rd Avenue. I grew up on 73rd Avenue. The River City Cafe that sits there was my family's property when I grew up. That was where I grew up. So we went, we had a cup of coffee, we walked down to the beach, we sat at the beach access there, and I said, Tim, I'm sensing a desire, I have a desire to join with a mission agency with Linus called Global Training Network and to go and train pastors around the world. What do you think? And he says, I think God's been preparing you for this your whole life. And he said, we'll support you as a church. We're behind this. I met with my wife and my kids, uh, and we had two kids that are still at home full-time. And at the time, one was 14, the other 12. And I shared with them, and I said, this will mean I'll be taking more trips away from home, and I'll be gone. They said, Dad, you're already gone one or two trips a year. What's four or five? Uh, we're, be we're behind this. We're, we're with you. We're supportive. And as I asked others, they were supportive. And I looked at the, this pattern of stop, look, listen. What's in my heart? What do others that I trust say? And I saw alignment. Now, I've made decisions, a lot of them, when I didn't see alignment. It was just in my heart, so I'm going to do it. Usually those end badly. Look for alignment in all five of these. It really is a safeguard in our decision making if we'll involve others in that process. There is, um, in 1997, Tim Holt, a guy named Mac Lake, a guy named Jeff Dunn, and I went to Sunset Beach and for a personal retreat for, for each of us. And we spent some, a couple days there just praying together, seeking God about our futures. And each of us ended up leaving that meeting. I went back to Savannah, Georgia, where I was living at the time, and I started a church there. Mac started Carolina Forest. Jeff Dunn started um, Christ United Methodist, and Tim Holt started Seacoast Vineyard. As we sought God of what we were called to do, what's God up to? How do we join him? We saw a need. We each saw a need, and we wanted to join God in accomplishing that need. And as each of us prayed together, we affirmed one another's calling and then went out to obey God and join him in what he was doing. I think all of us need groups. I call them lines triangles, and squares. Lines, triangles, and squares. So if Doug and I meet, if we were to meet once a week, that would be a line relationship. Two ends to the line. Two people. Triangle has three sides. Three people. A square has four sides. 
I meet with a square group every Wednesday morning. It's a group of pastors, which is why it's a square group. I used to call it an accountability group, and Linus challenged me and said, quit calling it accountability. I said, what do you mean? He said, call it trust and transparency. We all need a few friends that we can trust and be transparent with. A trust and transparency group where you can really share life together. And we began to do that, and we do that, and I still do that on a weekly basis. And Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. And lastly, what is your next step? What is your next step? Do something. Don't just sit there. Do something. And take action. And move forward in a direction. When the four pastors that I mentioned, including myself, met in Sunset Beach... And we made that decision of we're going to plant churches. It required we do something. We had to find buildings. We had to find people. We had to find bands. We had to find music equipment. We had to find a way to pay for all that. Um, And I encourage you as you're trying to seek God, don't just play the victim card of, well, this happened to me, therefore I can't. We can't control what happens to us, but we absolutely can control our response to what happens to us. And you can do something. And successful people figure out a way to do something and to act. What is your next step? I encourage you to just take a moment right there on your handout. And I bet God's speaking to some of you right now. And I want to encourage you, while it's fresh on your mind, just jot down what's God calling you to do is your next step. What do you need to do? What action steps do you need to take? Just jot those down. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. Man or woman are established by the Lord. When he, the he there is referring to God, when he delights in his, that's your way. If you focus on God and he delights in your way because you're seeking hard after him, he will direct you. He'll establish you. Here are three resources I want to recommend to you that have been extremely helpful to me through the years in hearing God's voice. The first one, um, we used to have it in the lobby. We may still, I don't know. I I should have checked after the last service. But it's Bill Hybel's book, The Power of the Whisper. The Power of the Whisper. Hearing God and having the guts to respond. Great book on hearing God's voice. The second one I want to recommend to you that I mentioned during the message was this. It's experiencing God, knowing and doing the will of God. Experiencing God, knowing and doing the will of God. And the third is Henry Cloud's nine things you simply must do. One of them is do something. And um, let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.